0: Thanks boys and girls for a great week together at Vacation Bible School and I pray and hope that you have a great time in class and the rest of us are going to be diving into God's Word right now. We're going to get into it. Uh, We have been in a series on sharing infectious faith. What does that mean? Estamos en una serie de mensajes sobre compartir, como compartir la fe contagiosa. And so to help us with that this morning, we're going to be looking into the New Testament book of Acts. It's in the second part of the Bible, Acts chapter 16 verses 13 through 15 will be where we start vamos a leer hechos capítulo 16 versículos 13 al 15 por comenzar and I'd like to read first in Spanish then we'll turn around and read the same thing in English as we go forward uh, quisiera comenzar leyendo en español y después lo voy a leer en inglés so I'll give you just a minute to find it I think there's some page numbers up on the screen which will indicate where you can find that if you're using the Bibles from the back and uh, this is the word of God for us. Let's just tune in. Let's tune in our, our ears, of course, our eyes, but also our hearts. Sintonicémonos a lo que dice la palabra de Dios. Dice lo siguiente. El sábado salimos a las afueras de la ciudad y fuimos a, por la orilla del río, donde esperábamos encontrar un lugar de oración. Nos sentamos y nos pusimos a conversar con las mujeres que se habían reunido. Una de ellas... Que se llamaba Lidia, adoraba a Dios Era de la ciudad de Tiatira Y vendía telas de púrpura Mientras escuchaba El Señor le abrió el corazón para que respondiera Al mensaje de Pablo Cuando fue bautizada con su familia Nos hizo la siguiente invitación Si ustedes me consideran creyente En el Señor, vengan A hospedarse en mi casa Y nos persuadió On the Sabbath We went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house and she persuaded us so i think one of the great myths about technology in our day and age is that somehow technology magically can bring people closer together that that just isn't automatic es un gran mito que la tecnología nos puede acercar automáticamente like all great myths, I guess you could say there's a grain of truth to that. Hay un de verdad este mito. The grain of truth is that through technology, through you know, text messaging and video conferences and social media, it's amazing you and I actually have the ability to touch any one person on the planet, at any place, at any time. That's the only time in history that's been possible, and that is incredible. Por medio de la tecnología podemos tocar a cualquier persona, en cualquier lugar, en cualquier momento. But the myth is something else, and it's this, that while we have that great power, that great ability to to connect with one another instantly, the fact of the matter is, people in our day and age report that they feel more isolated, more depressed, more lonely, and in fact, more divided than ever. La gente dice, said más deprimida y aislada que nunca. Why is that? ¿Por qué? Well, I think the reason why is that, while technology has the power to give us the illusion of being connected, it doesn't necessarily bring us to the reality. tecnología nos da la ilusión de estar conectados, pero no la realidad. And so what kinds of things do we see in our day and age? We see people who are willing to basically spill their guts online, tell every little intimate secret of their life online and yet you get them in the same room with a real person and they can't even look them in the eye and have a real conversation las personas que derraman sus entrañas en línea sus secretos más íntimos no saben hablar con una persona en vivo en el mismo cuarto why is that porque it's because somehow people have become accustomed to the illusion of intimacy that technology creates, but they don't know how to deal with the reality of being close to people. Están acostumbrados a la ilusión de estar cerca de las personas, pero no la realidad. And then there's another thing about technology that I think makes people feel more isolated, more separate from each other than ever before, and and it has to do with how social media portrays for us the, the illusion of the perfect life. That there are people out there just living wonderful lives. like tecnología nos da la ilusión de la vida perfecta. And so we go online, we scroll down. What do we see? We see people with perfect bodies, enjoying perfect vacations, eating perfect food, celebrating perfect achievements. And we say, I can't do that. I mean, if that's life, count me out. And so people withdraw. People check out. Hay personas que muestran en línea que tienen cuerpos perfectos, vacaciones perfectas, logros perfectos, comida perfecta. Y uno dice, yo no puedo competir con eso. Well, this morning, I'd like us to talk a little bit about what I think is the antidote to this disease that's rampant in our day and age, this disease of isolation, this disease of separation and loneliness. Queremos hablar de antídoto, de esta enfermedad, de la soledad, del aislamiento. And the antidote, I believe, is something called biblical hospitality. Es la hospitalidad bíblica. Biblical Hospitality. Now, I have to tell you right now, as we begin to look at this whole matter of hospitality this morning, I I looked at the preaching schedule. I thought there's got to be a mistake because I'm not the guy to talk about hospitality. I don't feel qualified to talk about this subject today. No me siento calificado a hablar de la hospitalidad y que es. Now it's been about four years now. I, I uh, intentionally disconnected from social media four years ago. Me desconecté de los medios sociales hace cuatro años, and yet I can tell you that, that from my time before that I still have some of the scars of the things I've seen online, especially the things I've seen about hospitality. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've got this image of these beautiful people having other beautiful people over to their Pinterest perfect homes, right? And they're serving up food that Martha Stewart can only prepare. And and they're like Today Show hosts. They're entertaining their guests with this perfect mixture of comedy and chicken soup for the soul, and everybody's happy. And I'm saying, if that's hospitality, I can't live with that. I can't I can't reach that standard. I I imagine de personas en sus casas perfectas poniendo recetas de un jefe de cocina y y son como anfitriones del show de Cristina porque entretienen a sus a sus anfitriones. Can't do that. And so, I'm out if that's hospitality. Si esa es la hospitalidad, no puedo hacerlo. That might be what we call worldly hospitality. That might be what the world says hospitality is all about. Puede ser lo que es la hospitalidad según el mundo, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. This morning, we're looking at biblical hospitality. Queremos mirar la hospitalidad bíblica. And for that... We turn to this scripture that I just read from Acts chapter 16, and here we find something different. Uh, We find here that the early church leader, Paul, is traveling on a mission, and he's with several companions. He's with Silas and Timothy and with Dr. Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, and we know Dr. Luke is there because he says, we, we did this, we did that. Well, the author's there, right? Pablo está con Silas, Timoteo, y el Dr. Lucas, el autor de hechos, and they come to this city in Macedonia in a region of Greece the city's name is Philippi and that's where we pick up the action in Acts chapter 16 verse 13 it says on the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer and we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there sábado salimos a las a las afueras de la ciudad y fuimos por la orilla del río donde esperábamos encontrar un lugar de oración y nos sentamos y nos pusimos a conversar con las mujeres que se habían reunido so it's the sabbath day it's saturday it's the holy day of worship and prayer for the Jews. They say sábado, día de reposo y adoración. And Paul and his companions, they're looking for a Jewish synagogue. That's where Paul often started to preach Jesus. Están buscando una sinagoga judía. They go all through the city, it would appear, and they don't find one. No encuentran ni una. Why? ¿Por qué? Well, the reality is that to form a synagogue, a Jewish synagogue, you needed to have a minimum of 10 Jewish men getting together to form the synagogue well evidently in this city there were not even 10 Jewish men in the city so what do they find they find a group of women hanging out just outside the city by the river and they said well Close enough. Let's start talking to these people about Jesus. Encuentran unas mujeres les hablan de Jesús. Verse 14. It says, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. That means she was a Gentile seeker. She was interested in God, but she was not fully engaged and it says the lord opened her heart to respond to paul's message una de esas llamaba lidia adoraba dios era la ciudad de tiatira y vendía telas de púrpura mientras escuchaba el señor le abrió el corazón para que respondiera al mensaje de pablo so paul and his friends are talking about jesus to these women and the message about jesus begins to penetrate into the heart of this woman Lydia el mensaje de Jesús penetra el corazón de Lydia and it says the Lord opens her heart el Señor le abre el corazón and Jesus then comes in and as Jesus does when he comes into a heart into our lives he begins to set up shop he begins to set up his presence in her life Jesús entra y empieza a poner su casa en su vida we go on to verse 15 versículo 15 when she and the members of her household were baptized she invited us to her home if you consider me a believer in the lord she said come and stay at my house and she persuaded us so i want us to notice the progression here if la progression first of all Paul shares Jesus, Pablo comparte el mensaje de Jesús, and the Lord opens up Lydia's heart, and Jesus comes in, el señor le abre el corazón a Lydia y entra, and he sets up housekeeping. And then it says she believes and is baptized as a sign of her belief. As bautizada como señal de su fe. And not only is she baptized, her whole house is baptized. All of her family members, they come to, to faith in Christ. Toda la familia viene a fe en Cristo. And then not only does she open up her heart to the Lord, she begins to open up towards Paul and Silas and their friends, ella abre su corazón a Pablo y sus compañeros and as a sign that she's not only opened her heart to Jesus but she's opened up to these men who've shared Jesus with her, she opens up her house. She opens up her home and says, "Come, stay with me." Como señal que abierto su corazón a ellos, les abre su casa. In fact, she insists as proof of her genuine, sincere faith in Jesus, she insists that they come and stay with her. Ella insiste, como prueba de su fe genuina, Jesús, que se queden con ellos. And Dr. Luke just basically says, she persuaded us. She was very convincing. Nos convenció, dice Lucas. And what we have here then, I think, is a picture of Biblical hospitality. Esta es la hospitalidad bíblica. What biblical hospitality consists of is, is people who otherwise would have nothing to do with each other. People who are completely different, completely separate, completely isolated, coming together in the same place across the table in a home and sharing the one thing the greatest thing you can ever have in common and that is a connection with jesus Some personas aisladas y distintas que llegan a una casa y comparten lo único que tienen común que es el señor jesús that's hospitality and it goes back to something i was talking about last week that i'd like to review because i think these verses are so powerful in ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 miremos 12 I shared about this last week. It says, Paul, the same Paul who was in Philippi, says, remember, he's writing to non-Jewish people, he says, remember at that time, before you believed, you were separate from Christ, you were excluded from God's people Israel, you were foreigners to the promises and the covenants. Recuerden que ese entonces estaban separados de Cristo, excluidos Israel, ajenos a los pactos y las promesas. But now... In Christ, you who are far away and separated and isolated, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. En Cristo, Jesús a ustedes que antes estaban lejos, Dios los ha acercado mediante la sangre de Cristo. In other words, he's saying here's what the gospel does. Here's what the message and the truth of Jesus does. It takes people who are way far away from God, way far away from hope, way far away from life, and it brings them close. It brings them close to God. How? Through the blood of Jesus. Jesus creates a bridge where people far from God can get close to God. Jesus crea un puente donde las personas de Dios pueden acercarse a Dios. So Jesus and the gospel brings people who are far close to God, close to him. But that's not all. In verse 19 it goes on. And it says this, uh, Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 19 says consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Ustedes ya no son extraños ni extranjeros, sino con ciudadanos de los santos y miembros de la familia de Dios, edificados sobre fundamento de los apóstoles y profetas, siendo Cristo Jesús mismo, la piedra angular. What is this saying? It's saying not only does the good news of Jesus Christ bring people close to Jesus, it has the power to bring people who are completely different and separate from one another together with each other. So that they are no longer strangers, no longer foreigners to one another. But when people come together through Jesus, you become family. You become members of God's house. And you get it to sit at the table together. Jesús puede unir a los que están lejos para que sean conciudadanos de la familia de Dios. And one of the signs... That we are now family. One of the signs that we are now close together is that we have the ability to sit down with one another across from the table and share in this thing called hospitality. Ya podemos sentarnos en la mesa unos con otros y disfrutar de la hospitalidad. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, we we read a little bit about this. Romanos 12, 13, it simply says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. In other words, it's probably a learned skill, something you have to work at. Ayúdense a los hermanos necesitados. Practiquen la hospitalidad. Here, hospitality is connected with sharing needs. And it's not just physical needs, though it might include that, that we have someone, uh, we sit across from someone at a meal or we have someone in our home because there's a real physical need. Puede que haya una necesidad física en esto, but also there's a spiritual need. There's something spiritual that is going to go on. When we sit at a table and when we share over a meal, we share in conversation with another follower of Jesus. If we came to that table and we were separated and we were different and we were strangers, we don't leave that way. We are no longer strangers. Si nos sentamos con alguien en la mesa con hospitalidad, ya no somos extraños. Now there's another dimension to this that goes beyond that. Not only is hospitality about bringing Christians together, I believe that there's a dimension of hospitality that has the power to bring unbelievers into contact with Jesus. Hay un poder también hospitalidad para contactar a Jesús y a los no creyentes. Let's think about that. It's a way of actually sharing infectious faith. In first Peter chapter four verse eight, Peter's talking about hospitality, but he, he links it with something that I think is interesting. First Peter four eight, 1 de Pedro 8, he says this above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without Grumbling, sobre todo, ámense los unos a los otros profundamente porque el amor cubre multitud de pecados. Practiquen la hospitalidad entre ustedes sin quejarse. I mean, there's an incredible statement made here. It says, love covers over a multitude of sins. El amor cubre multitud de pecados. What is that saying? Is that saying that somehow in my imperfect human love that I can, of my own strength, somehow forgive or eliminate or pay for the sins of another person? ¿Quiere decir con mi amor imperfecto puedo yo eliminar o pagar los pecados? I don't think so. That's not good news. I can't pay for sins. I can't cover sins. No puedo pagar los pecados. As Bible scholars have looked at this and tried to understand what this is talking about, what it seems to be saying is that, obviously, only the, the perfect love of Jesus, right? Only the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, his body and blood, that's the only thing that can eliminate sin, that can forgive sin and pay for sin. Solo el amor perfecto de Jesús en su sacrificio en la cruz puede pagar todo los pecados. That is the gospel. That's the message we share But what what seems to be going on here is this seems to be saying that when we then are gripped by that love, when we, like Lydia, have allowed Jesus in to set up housekeeping and his love begins to establish itself in our hearts, one of the things that's going to happen is that love can't help but go out from us. Cuando el amor de Jesús encuentra lugar en nuestro corazón, sale de nosotros. And as that love goes out of us, there's a power there that we dare not underestimate. A power to begin to overcome the effects of sin. Not to pay for sin but to overcome and cover the effects of sin, the effects of isolation, the effects of separation, the effects of suspicion, the, the effects of hatred, that actually Christ's love coming through us can begin to bridge a gap so that people who are far away can begin to come closer together, closer to us, yes, but most of all closer to Jesus. Jesus. Cuando ese amor sale en nosotros, puede superar los efectos de la separación entre las personas. And one of the ways that's going to happen is through hospitality. And so it says, offer hospitality without grumbling, without complaining. Oh boy, practiquen la hospitalidad sin quejarse and so this is a powerful thing that that hospitality has the power it is a way of sharing infectious faith with other people es una manera de compartir la fe contagiosa con las personas and it's simple it's simply about being in the same space in the same room over the same table whether it's sharing a meal or sharing coffee in a home or some other welcoming place and when that happens Jesus shows up cuando compartimos sobre mesa Jesús llega y ministra a las personas so offer hospitality without grumbling now we're about three quarters through this message and I haven't even defined hospitality for us Ni hemos definido qué es la hospitalidad. And I think that's an important thing for us because the word hospitality in the Bible is key. Uh, in the original language of the New Testament, the word hospitality in the Greek language is phyloxenia. Es phyloxenia, hospitalidad en el griego. It's a compound word. There's two words that make one word. Philo means love. Xenia means stranger. Philo es amor. Zenia son extranjeros. What is biblical hospitality about? It's about love for strangers. Love for people who are different from us. Se trata de un amor por las personas que son diferentes. That is the one ingredient, that is the main ingredient of hospitality, es el único y principal ingrediente de la hospitalidad, the main ingredient, ingredient you need to practice hospitality is not a fancy home, it's not super duper cooking skills, it is simply a love for people who need Jesus, a love for strangers, el único ingrediente, no es una casa finita y bonita, sino un amor por los extraños Jesus is building a house he's building a household and at that household he is inviting all different kinds of people from all the nations from every tribe and tongue to come and sit down at his table and to feast in his presence forever that's the plan Jesus está construyendo una casa donde todas las naciones pueden sentarse a la mesa Y eternamente. And hospitality. Actually. Sets. The table. So that we. Can share. Jesus with people. We can share. Infectious faith. La hospitalidad pone la mesa para que podamos compartir a Jesús y la fe. So Russ. I'm talking to me now. Maybe I'm talking to you too. Russ. Don't let your messy house stop you from hospitality. Que tu casa desordenada no te detenga de la hospitalidad. Don't let your lack of cooking skills stop you from hospitality. Que tu falta de poder cocinar no te detenga de la hospitalidad. Don't let your messy, beat-up, cat-scratched furniture stop you from hospitality. Que tus muebles viejos no te detengan de la hospitalidad. There's only one ingredient needed, one ingredient for the recipe, love for Jesus, love for other people, whether they're believers, non-believers, doesn't matter. Unico ingrediente es un amor por Jesús y por los demás. And that's why uh, in this month of July, in the next few weeks, we are challenging each other Uh, Through this initiative that we're calling No Longer Strangers. Por eso nos retamos en esta iniciativa, No Seamos Extranos. And the idea is super simple. Over these summer months, over these next few weeks, find someone. Find someone within Sunrise that you maybe have never met before. Find somebody in the community. Find someone and get together with them. Bring them into your home if you can. But if you can't, go to some other place welcoming and over a meal, over coffee. Have a conversation and simply Listen, hear their story, ask good questions, and share your story too. La idea es encontrar alguien que no conoces bien en la iglesia o poco fuera de la iglesia. Invítenlo a su casa o un lugar acogedor para una conversación. You might be surprised what God does with that. How infectious faith can be shared, not only from you, but it can come to you as well. My wife and I, this past month, have been reminded of the power of hospitality. Mi esposa y yo hemos experimentado la hospitalidad de forma poderosa. We were in Guatemala, as many of you know, for about nine days. Uh, and all I got was this lousy shirt. Um, but uh, we had fun, right? But no, we, we were guests in the homes of a missionary couple, José and Pam. We've known them for years. Éramos invitados de una pareja, José y Pam. And they showed us hospitality. They fed us wonderful food, yes, but every single day they were taking us places. They were driving us. Sometimes they were driving us two, three, four hours away taking up an entire day to bring us to some site or to some place and then driving us back. And, and, and after a couple of days, I was just really stressed about this. Estaba yo estresado porque nos estaban manejando a lugares aquí dos, tres, cuatro horas en camino. These people are wasting their time. They've got stuff to do. Why are they messing with us? We're just in their way. We, we shouldn't be here. We should be somewhere else. And, and, and after three or four days, it finally dawned on me. I was thinking, what are they getting out of this? They're getting nothing out of this. And then I started to realize. The beauty of it was the time in the car. Lo bonito era el tiempo en el en el carro, where we could, we were talking, praying, sometimes crying, and just sharing our hearts as Christians. And it was powerful and rich. It was beyond any any meal or any one thing that that they could have done for us and I experienced that power of hospitality experimenté el poder de la hospitalidad en el camino que conversábamos y compartíamos profundamente nuestro amor por el Señor I believe that hospitality has the power to bring Jesus into people's lives Jesús puede entrar en la vida de uno por medio de la hospitalidad as proof of that, as I conclude here, I want to show you just a part of a video that tells the story of a woman by the name of Rosaria Butterfield. Les quiero mostrar la historia de Rosaria Butterfield. She was a college professor, a feminist, lesbian college professor. Era una profesora de universidad, lesbiana, feminista. and As the story goes, she wrote a letter to a local newspaper, and her question was this. Why do Christians hate people like me? Escribió un periódico, ¿Por qué los cristianos odian a personas como yo? That was her question. Why do Christians hate people like me? The answer she got was an invitation from a local pastor and his wife to come to their house for dinner. Un pastor local y su esposa la invitaron a su casa. And that was just not one invitation. It became a series of invitations. Era una serie de invitaciones. And over a a time of conversation and of just simply being with these people, like Lydia, the Lord opened Rosaria's heart. And Jesus came in el señor le abrió el corazón y Jesús entró And now Rosaria Butterfield is also a pastor's wife and she's hosting people in her home. People of all different kinds, all different backgrounds. Ahora ella es esposa de un pastor y ella también uh, invita a personas a su casa. I want you to hear firsthand from her what she thinks about the power of hospitality. Vamos a escuchar lo que ella dice.
1: We live at this time where so many Christian ideas are understood as hate speech after the Obergefell decision legalized gay marriage. That put the gospel on a collision course with the new law of the land. And I think many Christians have been struggling with, well, how do I speak, what do I do, how do I move forward? Home is a vital place to invite your neighbors in to have some heartfelt conversations. We can love our children together. We can let some things slide, even though the world we live in would say that we're supposed to be enemies. To me, hospitality is the ground zero of the Christian faith. I was raised in an Italian family. There were some issues in my house that made it almost impossible to have people in. So hospitality didn't really become endemic to my life until I had set up a home of my own. I was a professor at Syracuse. I lived as an out lesbian feminist in New York. In our LGBTQ community, somebody's home was open every night of the week. And there was never a question, where will I go? if I need help because the community itself is organic and fluid and that was how we dealt with crises. After I wrote my tenure book I really wanted to write a book that was on my heart. Why is the religious right such a hateful community? And why do they hate people like me? I was on a war against two things patriarchy and stupid so I was really curious to know why relatively decent people would use the Bible in such a hateful way. So I wrote an editorial and it brought all kinds of attention my way, which I didn't really expect, but one of the things that brought my way was a letter from Ken Smith, the pastor of the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. When Ken and his wife, Floy, invited me to dinner, I, I was happy. I, th- I thought of Ken as my unpaid research assistant. And they were fine with the fact that I, I wanted to read the Bible to critique it. That began a research journey that changed my life. But it wasn't research that changed my life. In Ken and Floyd's home, the way that they practiced hospitality became a living, breathing example of the theology that they were teaching. After my first dinner at Ken and Floy's house, Ken gave me a big hug. Floyd gave me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. We said, we'll catch up next week. This was fun. Can't wait to do it again. They did not share the gospel with me, and they did not invite me to church. And that was so wonderful because what it showed to me was that they didn't see me as a project. They actually saw me as a neighbor. I didn't step foot in the church for two years, but every week I was in their home. And every week it was clear that pretty much anything could go. We could ask anything. Ken and Floyd were fine. And that process of dialogue and table fellowship was compelling. It was deeply compelling. I did not come to faith because I stopped feeling like a lesbian. It's not that I got all of my... Worldview issues just completely cemented with a happy Christian evangelism, not at all. I came to faith because I became convicted that Jesus is who he says he is. Ephesians 4.29 is our watchword, that we are to impart grace to the hearer. I might not agree with everything that you hold to be near and dear, but because we are neighbors, I don't have to say everything that's on my heart. And you don't have to say everything that's on your heart right now. We can put some of our worldview issues aside. And over years of this, the gospel takes on a momentum that is compelling to people. I think we need to give each other the reminder that it's God who saves. It's not about certainly us being perfect or our words being perfect. But show up, we must, in the lives of unbelievers. What comes naturally to me and what comes naturally to you is to hang out with people who are like us. (laughs) People who can maybe finish our sentences, people who don't scare us. But hospitality, biblically speaking, takes strangers and makes them neighbors. and takes neighbors makes them family of God. It's a great joy to see the gospel bring people together who are supposed to be enemies, and it's a great joy to know that God never gets the address wrong. And if your neighbors aren't people you know yet, there's a blessing waiting for you.
0: There's a blessing waiting for us. Hay una bendición que nos espera. That's a beautiful truth. As we wrap up our service today, I would love for us to remind ourselves that we are no longer strangers. Queremos recordarnos que ya no somos extraños. I'm going to come on down, and we're going to form a circle together, of uh, fellowship, and send you off with a blessing. Vamos a formar un círculo aquí para terminar el servicio. we need to tighten up the circle today cuz we're a little smaller so if you can come in we'll try to make it complete haremos todo lo por hacer el completo el círculo that's the way we do it so before sending you off with a blessing i would love to pray for us let's go to the lord in prayer Look, god thank you for this time we've had together As I'm in front of this communion table where we shared last week, we're reminded that at that table, everything changes. Recordamos que en la mesa de la Santa Cena, todo cambia. And Lord, we've been reminded today that you can change lives at the table. I pray that we can learn, even if we feel uncomfortable, even if we feel inferior. We can learn the beauty of biblical hospitality, of love for people who are different from us, because that's what you did, Jesus. Que podamos aprender a amar a gente que es diferente. Porque eso es lo que tú hiciste, Jesús. This week, help us to have our eyes and our ears attuned to those people around us that simply need to experience Christian fellowship. Simply need someone to be with them for a while. Que podamos abrir los oídos y los ojos a quienes simplemente necesitan estar un rato con alguien. And Lord, let your love, your love that covers all sin, your love that forgives sin, your love that pays for sin, somehow let it flow through us to touch others. Que tu amor que cubre y perdona todo el pecado que fluya de alguna forma por medio de nosotros. I bless each person here. I thank you for each person here. I thank you for those who could not be here today, for those that are viewing online, and I bless all of them because you have blessed them, Jesus. Bendigo a todos los que estén aquí en línea y los que no están. Les bendigo porque tú los bendices, Señor Jesús. And I want to send you off with this blessing. May the Lord make your love increase. And overflow for each other and for everyone else. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God. When our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Que el Señor los haga crecer para que se amen más y más unos a otros y a todos. Que los fortalezca interiormente para que cuando nuestro Señor Jesús venga con todos sus santos. La santidad de ustedes sea intachable delante de nuestro Dios. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Que Señor les bendiga a todos.